Hi, hello, I'm Glenn Epps, and you're listening to In My Own Words. On Friday, December 7th, a video of an Ithaca College student using the N-word was posted to Twitter. The video received a lot of attention from students who demanded a response from the college. The college condemned the language in the video, and on Tuesday, it facilitated an open discussion with students and faculty about where the college community's next step would be. I'm here with Sophia Adamucci and Sobeta Rosa, two Ithaca College journalism students, to discuss with me what this event means for the campus community and the role of the N-word in our society. You might also recognize Sophia from her podcast, We Need to Talk. We have a lot to talk about on our agenda today, and we hope to get a little lighthearted as it's the last podcast of the semester. I also have a special announcement for our listeners at the end of the episode, so let's get into it. Sabeda, can you explain what happened at the campus gathering? So, <laughs> on Tuesday, uh, there was a, an email sent out to the campus community, or maybe it was like the weekend before, about a gathering just to talk about and process out loud the events that occurred on the weekend over social media. And at the gathering, um, it was in Emerson Suites, basically the administration addressed the students and said, we want to take action, but we also want to hear what your thoughts are. Um, and there were different activities that were done. So there was one to um, kind of gauge the audience's um, emotions. Um, and Lejeune um, had asked, what's one word to like summarize how you're feeling? which was very impactful, I feel like, because a lot of people were saying different words. Um, Some resonated with me, like disappointment um, and not surprised. Um, And uh, Dr. Farrow had also mentioned that she was saying she just doesn't want to talk. She wants to take action. But also I felt like at the end of the event, that's all we were doing. And I didn't really hear any action part of it. So... I was there as well, and I do remember people, the the activity you're speaking about, but I also remember people seeming divided about whether or not they should be surprised or whether um, they shouldn't be surprised. We go to a predominantly white institution. What does it look like um, for racism to take form and you know take flight in this environment and for students to respond to it? Um, what was your reaction when you saw the video, Sophia? So, like, videos and images of like college students um, doing racist things at other institutions have occurred like often over the years. Like I've seen like um, videos of people in like blackface or using the N-word from other institutions. So like this isn't a first on social media, Um, but when it showed up on my timeline on Twitter, it didn't connect at first that it was an IC student. Like Mm -hmm. I just thought it was another viral Um, video and then I was reading the caption and I realized it was happening at my own institution which like the word disappointed really um, resonates but also not surprised resonates as well Um, like this is a campus like you said that's predominantly white and we forget that when people come to college they're coming from all over so even if they're coming into a space that tries to be very like politically correct and inclusive when you have 7,000 people who grew up in lots of different ways you're bound to get people who just aren't like don't feel that being politically correct or being inclusive and valuing diversity are important to them and 
I think this video shows showed that. Yeah, I uh, I definitely think it's very interesting for us to the initial tweet. That's what I want to say. The initial tweet that uh, was sent out said, I thought this was supposed to be a liberal, progressive, accepting campus. Mm -hmm. um, it used that kind of language, and that's the way that Ithaca promotes itself. Um, it is in the top 25 LGBTQ-friendly campuses. Um, the entire town pro uh, suggests that this entire town, uh, the image of the town of Ithaca is that it's a progressive and accepting town. Mm -hmm. So to have this occur on this campus means that that kind of ignorance, that kind of disregard um, for the way that language matters is not being translated to all of the students. Yeah, what was most upsetting to me about the video is that the student, after she said the N-word, she's like, oh, she says, like, I'm going to get in trouble for this. Like, she is aware, she, like, verbalizes that she's aware she said something wrong, yet the video still was posted and that was what was the most upsetting to me like sometimes when these videos show up people like to be like oh it was pure like it's ignorance mm -hmm. like this person just isn't aware that this word is harmful which you have to be pretty ignorant to not know that but I it was just so upsetting for her to acknowledge that she did something wrong and hurtful yet she proceeded to share this video with the world so that's why I kind of didn't I thought the response on Twitter was appropriate and like the student response was appropriate. What did you think when you saw the video, Sabeta? You said that you weren't surprised. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like any conversation that surrounds this word is always just kind of like disappointing, especially watching this video and it coming from POC and like her complaining about her tan her spray tan. Yeah, her spray tan and making her, like, I just feel it, it, it has to, it's very layered. There's a lot of layers mm -hmm. <laughs> to the reason she said it, to the way she was associating the word with something that was undesirable. Like, yeah, you mm -hmm. spoke about actually uh, something that had not been discussed during the gathering, which mm -hmm. was how she referenced the word yeah. in relationship to her being a woman and her referencing other, or black women mm -hmm. specifically. Yeah, so in the video, um, for those who don't know, she was saying that her spray tan made her look like a person that was darker, which I don't know about you, Glenn, but I'm <laughs> proud of my melanin, and I think it's beautiful, so I don't understand why she was equating it to something that's ugly, and then mm -hmm. also demeaning black women and people with darker uh, skin tones. So. And by using that word to demean people, she's using it as an insult, like it's the word itself has a history like its history is as an insult mm -hmm. as a slur and like over the past few years people have attempted to like reclaim words mm -hmm. but she was using it as an insult towards like other people of color which is like there's no excuse for that and like you said this word the word has many layers and there's lots of you know debate about whether it's even recl uh, reclamable mm -hmm. um Part of the much larger discussion over whether anyone should be using the word um, is also her own identity. Um, because, like you said, she's a POC woman, but she is of Indian descent, born and raised Puerto Rican. Um, and there's a lot of contention over what 
she can say because people don't see her as being Puerto Rican. People see her as being Indian. Um, but then again, can people who are Puerto Rican say the word? Um, yeah. What does that look like that to de- you? That debate started, too, with Cardi B using mm-hmm. that word because she's also, I forget exactly what um, her ethnicity is. but she's Dominican and Trinidad. Yeah, and I like uh, it kind of upset people that she used that word so often in a rap song. So I think this is a conversation that's happening on a large scale mm-hmm. right now, too. Yeah, I think it's very, again, very weighted, a lot of layers. So me personally coming from a Dominican and Puerto Rican background, my dad um, is Puerto Rican, but he's very dark-skinned. So he is a black man, and that's how he walks through the world. That's how people see him, Mm -hmm. and he uses that word. Um, And I don't know if the distinction matters, but he uses it with the A and not a hard ER. And I know a lot of people have a lot of different opinions, Mm -hmm. whatever. But I also heard something that said, unless the word would be used against you to oppress you, like, you shouldn't use it. And I don't use it because it's not part of my vernacular. Like, I just Mm -hmm. don't speak that way. But my dad grew up in the Bronx, and he grew up around people that use that word, and he said it. But does that excuse it? Does that not? Mm -hmm. Does the way he looks tie into that? Who has the answer? We don't know. Yeah, I feel that way, too. Like, I grew up not around that word. I'm... Like, I'm white, and my family, like, I've never heard anyone in my immediate or extended family use that word. And also, I grew up with a pretty, like, diverse friend group, um, and none of them used it. And, like, when we listen to, like, rap songs, like, everyone, like, no one says the word even, like, no matter how many times it's used or how prevalent it is. So I think, like, it's easy not to really is what I'm trying to say like you there is really no reason to use it if it is not something that is associated with like who you are Mm -hmm. so like I really don't think there's an excuse for just like letting it slip or like when your like your identity has nothing to do with the history of the word that's what someone said at the gathering it's easy not to use it and uh, I've also spoken with some other students who say they've feel like it becomes a part of uh, some students vernacular just because they're here like it wasn't something they grew up hearing it wasn't something they that was part of their lives but they wanted to sometimes in like an effort to reclaim the word they want to start using it more often and then other in other instances you don't have anyone sometimes overseeing you and uh, calling you out when you use it so from my personal experience uh, I didn't grow up hearing the word very frequently it was something that like my mom doesn't use it Um, my grandmother doesn't like it but they're all from like I think a specific period in time and there's um, a like a a point where the word became very popular and we can say it's like the 90s we can say it's the late 80s Um, but I always think about what it meant for my grandmother like the reason she doesn't like hearing the word or seeing uh or hearing people use the word is because of her own experience with it. It's tied to some very um, emotional uh, and uh, quote-unquote triggering experiences in her own um, life growing up, where she was growing up, um, and seeing the divide that the word caused and the fear that it could incite. I'm really interested to see how the campus community goes forward in trying to address this because at the gathering uh, that was a question that was asked uh, what can the community do going forward and 
it seemed like a lot of the students wanted to see an administrative decision or action taken um, and a a structural problem you know deserves a structural answer but this is not so much a structural problem this is students all coming from different backgrounds another thing that was supposed uh, suggested was education but how far can education go especially when you're in a classroom um, what does it mean to be giving lip service in a classroom lots of people just say things to get along and on this progressive campus it's very hard to hold um, individualistic opinions um, where do you think the campus should go from here I think we're all journalism students so we understand how like every single word you choose to use has like an impact and like we like we edit our words we like antagonize over which ones to use we think of the meanings of them and I think sometimes like we exist in that major and surrounded by people who also care that much about words and then you forget that there's like people studying biology on campus and people studying like other things where like language is not seen the same way like it does it's not seen as something that like can change the world it's just something you use to like write papers or talk about something else so I think I like we everyone has to take a freshman seminar like maybe there should be something about language and its impact like Mm -hmm. in every freshman seminar like you don't have to give a whole semester to this conversation or like have one class that only 20 people can get because that's not benefiting anyone if only 20 of 7,000 people get this education but if you just put one day aside in each freshman seminar and say like language has impact and like language is action mm-hmm. and he, like you need to be cautious of the words you use and that they can harm like someone to a point like that where they feel unsafe like I think that would be like if the administration made that move that would be beneficial what about you Spada? Um, someone at the gathering made a good point and they said that we should have diversity in all our classes not just like the ones that are sectioned off as diversity for the ICC credit or what have you um, and just restructuring the curriculum across all majors um, so the student was uh, they used to be a biology major and they said they've never learned about chemists or scientists of color in their classes even though they're important and they contribute a grand deal to what um, that field is today so I think something like that would be interesting but that would take a lot of work mm-hmm. and I don't know if our campus is willing to do that work yeah yeah addressing problems like these take a lot of time and energy and sometimes money to fix and people want like quick solutions mm-hmm. but really strong solutions normally take a little bit more time but that doesn't mean the administration can kind of put this under the rug and be like oh we're we're figuring it out yeah i uh was speaking to a a white student uh, at the gathering who uh, specifically asked has this ever happened before it seems like this is the first time you're coming across this problem and uh i think dr bradwell said well if you asked any of the poc students they'd say it happens nearly every day this is just the first time it's been caught on camera or one of the first times it's been caught on camera there was another instance last year where a student said the n-word in her snapchat and they uh, like talked about her for a week on Facebook. 
Um, oh, I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from what I was gathering from all the talks was that this is really a community um, effort that needs to be you know, mm-hmm. taken. But also, like you were saying, we as journalism students know like we have to sift through our words. And sometimes I've been in a case where I've been going through an article and I've been like, what does this word really mean? And what is the context? How will it be understood by the people who read what I'm trying to say? Or um, there are so many different ways that um, our field is especially trying to become inclusive. And so discussing different language that is okay and isn't okay. And that's something that we don't necessarily have um, universally, especially on this campus when this is not the focus of a lot of people. Thinking about the way that their words and the etymology of its history. Like, what does this word really mean? When did it come into use? And why is it that this community used it when it was used to oppress them? We really have to ask ourselves that question. Why is it okay for us to use it now when it was a word that our community feared before? And not was just upset or, you know, but um, there is so much bloodshed and this word is so blood-soaked, why would you try to reclaim it? really trying to understand, and I think speaking, as I'm proud of my melanin, speaking as a, a black man, I think that it's important for the black community to take that necessary step to understand what it is a part of our history and what we need to do to become um, a community that uplifts ourselves. Because sometimes you may be using language that indirectly uh, impacts you or directly impacts you and you don't know it. And I think that's the case right now. But we're going to try and uh, veer a little pivot pivot real quick. Um, so I'm going to leave it to Sophia because you're really well at, uh, good at it. So because this is our <laughs> last episode, I wanted it to be slightly lighthearted. And I'm not a lighthearted person <laughs> most of the time. So uh, business as usual, we started. How do we change the topic of conversation? It's my last episode. You want me to, me to decide? Yeah. Um, well... I have been very intrigued by listening to your postgrad plans, Glenn, and I wanted you to inform the viewers of what you're considering um, trying out for <laughs> after college, because I think that's pretty lighthearted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I don't know. Do you know about this, Sabeda? No, <laughs> I don't. Okay. Get, get ready. So <laughs> Buckle there, up. There was a period um, when I thought that I came across, I was like going through applications looking for a job, and I saw an advertisement for the real world that was hiring. And so. Should we I, tell the viewers what the real world is in so case they're. The, they're the real world is a reality television show on MTV that I thought about auditioning for. Um, I actually got, I got accepted through the first stage. Not hard to do after I looked it up, but <laughs> the second stage was where I really had to shine. It was about 70 two questions I made it to question 69 and I was like this is too much you were so close (laughs) to finishing (laughs) um yeah so um another thing is uh yeah I I, I'm really fascinated with reality television I was really hoping that that would be like be my opportunity to spin off I was about to say what was the intrigue for like I just want to go on a reality tv show yeah I don't really watch a lot of reality television but I am it's just so interesting when you think about all the different parts that go to play into it. I think you yeah. were talking about that, Sophia. Oh, yeah, a lot of people like create their brands through reality television, which I think when we were talking, Glenn, you were saying, like, 
I'm going to go in the real world and then I'm going to create this brand and then I'm going to get a podcast yeah. and then I'm going <laughs> to get a book deal and then I'm going to meet Oprah. Like, yeah. like I think there is a lot that goes behind it. I find reality television, I don't watch a lot of it myself either, but I find it such an interesting part of our culture because people like the show Big Brother, I've mm-hmm. watched one season of it and the show like they live in total isolation for I forget how many weeks it's I think it's like, like three the, months or something the like, length of the summer. yeah it's like a whole summer and they don't have any outside contact they're cut off from news which like as journalism students like makes my like stomach hurt <laughs> just thinking about that um and they basically the point of the show is just to vote each other off so like they create alliances and then someone gets to choose who gets voted off and they all vote like it's this very like they kind of create like a little democracy in the house with lots of backstabbing but to them like the stakes are so high but to know everyone else like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter at all like you're sitting in your house and you watch for an hour and then you turn it off and you go live your life but to these people like choosing who gets voted out of the house that week is like life or death basically Mm -hmm. and it's just it's so interesting how people can be put in situations where they create such high stakes to things that are basically manufactured by a television studio but we do that in a lot of different instances we kind of i mean even in the college environment we kind of manufacture a world every paper feels like life or death like every (laughs) like big assignment you're like if i don't do well on this like i will fail and then i'll fail the class and then i won't graduate like I don't yeah. know about you guys, but if sometimes you get in those spirals where you you think everything's like the biggest deal ever, and then you realize like, oh, it's one test. If I do poorly on it in a year, I won't even remember. So, uh, so we're all journalism students, as we've we've said over and over <laughs> again during this podcast. As a journalism <laughs> student, um, I want to ask because we're on my podcast, and uh, it's all about interviewing uh, people, talking with people. <laughs> Have you had any interviews or? talks with people that you really prize can you repeat that <laughs> <laughs> is there an interview that you've had in your time of you know being a being in journalism that mm-hmm. you've really resonated with or really enjoyed having hmm. take your time I like the interviews that are much more like human interest like I I really love journalism because I love talking to people and I'm someone who loves to talk and I think sometimes (laughs) it's misinterpreted as like I want to hear my own voice when in reality I just want to get to know people as like as many people as possible and I love having like really just listening to someone tell me about them and like their Mm -hmm. life and their identity and um especially when it's very different from my own. Like, I just feel like I learn so much and I get to make, like, a human connection. And even though it's being turned into kind of quotes and mm-hmm. a narrative or a story, like, I just I just love, the, like, talking to people. That's my favorite thing about journalism. You don't have – like, yeah, you have to sit behind a desk <laughs> and write and make a lot of phone calls and send yeah. emails, but you also get to, like, go get coffee with, like, very intriguing people and hear from them and and then you have to go write about it but i i love that about journalism 
I feel like for me it's interesting because I'm an introvert so I don't like talking <laughs> to people but I do like writing and I like people reading my writing obviously um, but there was one interview that I did for a reporter package for jur- vis- visual journalism um, <laughs> vis journal <laughs> vis journal <laughs> um, and it was with a local photographer she took the picture on the commons for the Ithaca is love where mm-hmm. everyone was in like the different t-shirts and they mm-hmm. got up in the rainbow and I thought that was so interesting because she was just so passionate about like the picture and also like the people and just what she was doing and I felt like that's I guess what I'm here for to like help tell those stories, help get those narratives out there, but also see other people who are also also passionate in what they're doing. That's what inspired me to enter into journalism. Um, just the love of hearing what people have to say. You know, I, I'm always amazed that uh, through hearing what someone has to say, you'll find so much enlightenment in, uh, in their stories that can that you can use to give advice to your friends, but you can also use in your own personal life. And that's what I hope this show would be um, something or like a moment where people would be able to hear what people were doing, but also take away some kind of um, information or some background or some uh, something that they needed to hear. Um, yeah. My favorite podcast episode, I'm going to say, is this one. <laughs> you know, this one. I <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's, it's always been a mic, uh, like a toss up because I have so many, I just love everything everyone has to say. And you talk about very different things and with every so like different. weekly. Yeah. Um, I will never forget my first one. <laughs> uh, fascinating for anyone who's stayed with me this long. Uh, the, it was with, uh, Elaj Day, Alicia, uh, Day and, uh, follow her on Instagram. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah. I will never, it was, I was so nervous. I had no clue what was going to happen. Um, but then also this one, because it's my last one. It's the culmination of everything that I've kind of put forward these last two years. Um, so yeah, um, that's our heavy pivot. <laughs> um, thank you so much, uh, Sophia and Saveda, for coming on to the show with me. Thank you for having us. Um, yes, it was fun. Yeah. And uh, so at the top of the show, I told you, our listeners, that I have some news to share with you. So here it goes. This episode will be my final episode of In My Own Words. This December will be my final month here at Ithaca College, and I will be graduating. But I wanted to take some time to say thank you. Thank you for leaning in with me to have these conversations. And whether whether you have tuned in, every episode since my first episode two years ago or have tuned in for the first time last week thank you when i first began this journey with you two and a half years ago i couldn't imagine what this show would become and what i would take away from it these years hosting this show have enriched my life so thank you for leaving a spot for me in your day so here it is my final episode and my final words. Thank you for listening to In My Own Words. I'm your host, Glenn Epps. If you're interested in continuing to listen to this or any other podcast offered by The Ithacan, you can hop on over to theithacan.org, or you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Just type The Ithacan in the search bar, and you're set. And make sure to keep up with me on Twitter at Glenn underscore Epps underscore. That's it. Until next time.